One verse of scripture where I'll pick my text found in verse number 38. Mark 1 and verse number 38. I appreciate the opportunity to come and update you on what our God is doing up in the Northeast. You study history and in particular you study Baptist history and you'll find out that there's a rich heritage of God moving in that area. But sad to say, I don't know whether they took it for granted or just got lazy. Apathy set in. But it become, uh, in not too many short years after that, a great mission field. And it should serve as a warning for us to not grow uh, lazy and to be full of apathy and to never take anything for granted. The glory of God and the power of the Holy Ghost Take none of that for granted. But I've got good news today. The Lord's moving again. And obviously we don't have time to go into great detail of it, but I'm grateful to my God that He counted us worthy, putting us into ministry. What an honor to be an ambassador for Christ. Missionaries used to come to our church when I was in that Maple Grove Baptist Church. And they used to testify and share about all these people telling them stories. That if you hadn't come and told us about Jesus, we wouldn't be saved. I remember it seemed like it was just yesterday. Just a little lad of a boy sitting there listening. And the Holy Ghost whispering to me, son, that's going to be you one day. Boy, when the Holy Ghost teaches you things, you don't forget those things. He's let us experience that. I esteem it higher than anything. Have somebody come up to you and tears running down their cheeks. Saying, preacher, if you hadn't come and told us about Jesus, we'd still be on our way to hell. And then they, they look at you and they say, thanks for coming. I don't know how anyone can sit in idleness and slothfulness when there's so many people that need Christ. Oh, just pick a place. I believe the Lord accept you if you just volunteered. What an honor it is to be able to share the gospel with people that have never heard the good news that Jesus saves. I never tire of it. When my feet hit the floor in the morning, I'm thinking about it all throughout the day. And what a great privilege that the Lord has afforded us. And I'm so grateful for his help. It's getting plumb emotional up here. Is there any Kleenexes or anything? I, maybe my dad has a handkerchief or something. Oh, that's excellent. I'll put those right there. Your Bibles are open to Mark chapter number 1. And verse number 38, why don't you stand one more time as we reverence God's word, and then we'll get into the thought that I feel the Lord has laid upon my heart. I was making a set of cabinets a couple months ago out in my shop, doing a little supplementing, and as I was making those cabinets, I was doing a little praying too. And the Spirit of God says, I want you to preach on that when you go down there. Then I ended up sick, had to cancel my flight on Tuesday. Amy said, Todd, don't you think you ought to just cancel and stay here with me? 
Truth be known, she didn't want me to leave because she doesn't sleep when I'm not in the bed with her. And I said, I can't. I feel burdened to go and preach this message the Lord's put on my heart. And I've been musing on it for the last couple months. And I hope the Lord will encourage all of us here this morning and do a work in our hearts. And I hope and pray that the Lord would give the fruit of many being called into the ministry. Many young men, many ones that may not be young, older ones. I would have never fathomed the thought of a phone call I received about a month ago. My, my dad called and he was crying on the phone. It's good to have my mom and dad with me today. He was crying and that's not a new thing because dad's kind of tender hearted and I, I thought something was wrong and he said, son, mom and I have surrendered. I didn't think really, you know, my dad's a deacon in the church and we've always been raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord and I thought he was surrendered. So I said, yeah, what do you mean? He said, no, you don't understand. We've surrendered. We're selling everything we have and moving to Sanford, Maine to help you build churches. And I said, and I said, you're right, I don't understand. The truth be known, if we're all walking with the Lord like we ought to be, we're all candidates. I'll tell you what ruins most of us and has ruined me many times in my life is that great sin of selfishness. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, I just want to go ahead and tell you that you're going to live a very discouraging life. I couldn't imagine what God's allowed us to do just from being totally surrendered to Him. The things He allows us to see Him do through us and the great uh, amazing uh, opportunities that the Lord gives. Only God could do something like that. I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to sell out everything and just serve Him full time and just trust Him. Selfishness, probably one of the great contributing factors, selfishness. In your Bible, verse number 38. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. Lord Jesus, we ask you for that special touch that makes the difference between just a mere sermon and a message. We ask you most importantly today for that fresh feeling of the Holy Ghost. We know that without that, no man can do anything. And so we pray for that today and ask if you be pleased to fill us with that fresh oil. Help us to be able to communicate the Word of God in a way that would honor and glorify you. Challenge our hearts like only you can uh, today. And we'll be grateful for it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to ask you a question this morning for the time that we have together and it's a soul searching question. It's a question that was asked to me back in the late 90's. I was in Millinocket area of, of north central Maine about an hour north of Bangor and uh, we were starting the Tritown Baptist Church and God was moving in blessing and as we were there ministering the Lord revived a passion in my heart for flying that I'd had since I was a kid. I always loved airplanes, still love them and I just would, was just enamored with the ability of an airplane to be able to fly through the air. Been like that since I was a kid. And I began to pray about it and ask the Lord if it would please Him that I could get my pilot's license. And so I called my home church then that was without a pastor. And, and Dad was, I think, a deacon then. And I said, I'm wondering if maybe there's somehow or another the church could help or and uh, maybe they could help pay for it, or I don't know hardly what to do. You said, well, that's kind of bold, but, well, you have not because you ask not. And I just was burdened about it. And they had a deacon's meeting or something and said, church has voted to pay for your license. And so I began to take my license there in Millinocket, and right after I got my license, actually just before I got my license, the Lord showed me this verse. It's been many years ago now, probably 10, 12 years ago. 
And he asked me this question. When I read this verse, this is the verse that birthed Wings with the Word and Next Town Ministries in my heart. When I read this verse, he asked me, what am I going to do about the next towns? And it broke my heart. And to this day, it's still breaking my heart. What are we going to do about the next towns? Are we just going to let them go to hell? I mean, what would have happened to you if somebody had not come and told you about Jesus? What if that old time preacher man hadn't come to your town? We kind of take things for granted, don't we? We just kind of think it's just the way it's always been. We've always had an old time preacher man. We've always had a good church that preaches the gospel. What what are we going to do about these next towns? Jesus had been out praying. The Bible says in verse number 35 that he rose a great while before day. And he'd been out praying. A lot of those, uh, they of course just, just experienced a lot of miracles. The Lord had been doing great things. He'd been moving in power and great glory. And I know a lot of us would be very tempted just to settle down. It would probably be the easiest thing to do. And it possibly could be the right thing to do. But it also may not be the right thing to do. And in this situation, the Lord said to them, let us go into the next towns. Yes, I've been moving here and been helping people here, been encouraging people and been working miracles, but let's go to the next towns. And they took off and went to another town. And I'm still asking you the question this morning, what what are we going to do about the next towns? I'm grateful to God that there's been some missionaries that said, I'll tell you what we're going to do at the next towns. We're going to go to them. God bless you. God doesn't call everybody to be a missionary in the sense that, you know, they leave and go to another country. I know, let's not get critical here this morning. I know we're all missionaries. You know what I'm saying. I'm not crazy. We got to have somebody back home sending, holding the ropes back home. And I'm grateful for you. I'm real grateful when you send that check. That even makes my day even brighter. Might as well be honest. That's what's in my heart anyway. As soon as a missionary leaves the church, he's got the offering counted before he's got the car cranked. Might as well just be honest. That's just the way it is. I'm telling you the way the missionary lives. Hey, it takes money to operate. I don't know why in the world we get all upset about that. And furthermore, that money, if it's stewarded properly, results in people getting saved. Lives being changed. Families being put back together. Churches being built. I look and see what our great God has done up in the Northeast where a lot of people says it's a graveyard of missionaries. I'm glad when you look over at Ezekiel 38 and 39, will these bones live again? I know the prophetical implications of that, but I'm glad that there's some places that's been rolled off that God is moving once again. And bones are living again. It's amazing. I'm grateful for it. What what are we going to do about the next towns? Well, we've got to do something. I said, we've got to do something. For we can't do nothing. We've got to do something. Somebody's got to go tell them about Jesus. Somebody has to go. You say, well, we'll just let the Lord uh, get one of them talking donkeys back. Well, 
I tell you, he's so great, he could do that again if he wanted to. You said, well, maybe he'll go out to the rooster shed and get one of them talking again. Well, he, he can do that. What an honor, though. What an honor that he would call the likes of us. I mean, look around at us. We're awful weird bunch of people, aren't we? I mean, look at us. I mean, we're not your most normal group of people around. You thought you were something, didn't you? No. We're just sinners saved by grace. You get off of that horse and get on the humble one and realize, was it not for him, we wouldn't have anything. The truth be known, we all ought to be in hell today. Thank God mercy and grace came by. Saved us, amen. What are we going to do? We've got to do something. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to keep praying about this. Somebody's got to pray. Well, Donna Sue McCone. Well, I thank God for her. I called her this morning. I said, Donna, I'm sorry I missed you yesterday. I had to make a doctor's appointment. And she said, Todd, I just want to let you know that I love you and I'm praying for you. Only heaven will tell what's been wrought in the secret place. I'm here reporting about what God's doing in the Northeast. Only heaven will tell. The reason why I'm reporting, as it says in the book of Proverbs, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Only heaven will bring true the record of saints old and young that have found a secret place, a quiet place, and have said, Oh God, bless that man. Oh God, bless that missionary. Oh God, move on that person. This preacher here this morning is very cognizant of the fact that this is team effort. There's a great team that the Holy Ghost has assembled. Those that go, those that pray, those that give. I'm grateful for every single one of them, whatever your part may be. God bless you this morning. You that are listening by means of the radio and the internet, I'm so glad that God has assembled a team and what a wonderful, wonderful thing it is to be part of it. Sometimes when you're on the other end of that radio mic, in the mornings I make the broadcast about anywhere from 15 to 6 to 6.30. A lot of you say your voice sounds a little scratchy. It's just amazing that I can talk that time in the morning. But I, I said, Lord, would you... Would you do something real special for me when I got down that radio station? Just let somebody say something. Maybe a little word of encouragement. You know people are listening. It's good to be encouraged. I want to have the spirit of Barnabas. I don't want to be a discourager. I want to encourage people. And I was here about 10 minutes yesterday. I sit down at the table and I'm looking for the lady and I don't see her. But I sit down and that lady said to me, she said, are you Todd Bell? And I said, yes ma'am, I am. She said, I recognized your voice. And she said, I listen to your broadcast every day. And she said, I got a friend that listens to it every day too. And she said, if I see you, to tell you that you're a blessing and an encouragement. I said to that lady, I said, I asked the Lord to do that for me. And I no longer been in Cherithon 10 minutes and God's already went and done it. I looked to the Lord and I said, that's enough. That's all I needed, Lord. Just needed just a little bit. 
Just a little handful on purpose every once in a while. Just to kind of keep me on the trail. What a blessing. What an encouragement. Well, the question still at hand this morning. What are we going to do about the next towns? Let us go into the next towns. I want to quickly take about uh, the next uh, 15 minutes or so. And I want to outline this verse of scripture. And I hope it will be a blessing to all of us. I want us to look at the first phrase here in verse number 38. And he said unto them, first of all this morning, I want us to look at the authority of the Savior. And he said unto them. When he speaks, that's authority. Your Bibles are open. I want you to look with me in verse 22 of Mark 1. The Bible says, 22 of Mark 1, And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had what? Authority. Look with me in verse 27. And they were all amazed. Insomuch that they questioned among themselves saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with what? For with authority. The Bible says in verse 38, And he said unto them, That's the authority of the Savior. What are we going to do about the next towns? We're going to have to have the authority of the Savior. The Son of God has said to us, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's the authority of the Savior. We don't go uh, on our own abilities. We don't go uh, with our own personal call. We go with the authority of the Son of God that has commissioned us and that has converted us and that has called us. He is the one that sends us out to do the work of the ministry. And so we see, first of all, the authority of the Savior. Second of all, this morning, I want us to look at the next phrase. He said, let us go. Not only do we see the authority of the Savior, but second of all, we see the accompaniment of the Savior. Don't you like the way it's worded in your King James Bible this morning? He said, he didn't say, let them go. He said, let us go. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, but that makes me feel pretty good. Did he not say, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He's with us. And so we have the accompaniment of the Savior. I see his accompaniment in our witnessing. It's wonderful to witness in the Holy Ghost. You said, I got this little plan. We'll make sure it's God's plan. Everybody's different. They're all from different walks of life. The Lord may want you to approach somebody just a little bit different. With the same book, but just a little bit different. He's with us in, he's with, witness, with us in witnessing. He's with, with us in warfare. I was talking to Brother Smith this morning. And as I was talking to him this morning... I was talking to him about the reality of strongholds. Well, I thank God for the heritage that we have here in the Bible Belt. It's a blessing. Well, it's a blessing to be able to go to the restaurant on Sundays or whenever you go and see some people in suit clothes and know they've been to the house of God. You said, well, they don't see eye to eye with me. Come on now, he's up there. We're not the authority. The book's the authority. Amen. You get on a mission field for about 13, 14 years, you'd be glad to see just a Christian no longer independent Baptist. You say what you want to say, but I found out that he's with us in warfare. You go to the mission field and find out there's no heritage there of the gospel being preached for hundreds of years. It's just like you entered right in the middle of the devil's nest. There's no fun about it. It's warfare. This is no pity party. This is a factual message. It's warfare. 
And it's only by God's good grace that this preacher has been able to continue on. Paul said in Acts 26, having therefore obtained the help of God, I continue unto this day. The truth be known, most of us preachers that are here this morning cried our eyes out on the backside of our study. Thank God for a good wife and come up and love on us. Let us know that it's going to be okay. You said you're an awful thing. I'll pray for you more. Good. We need it. As our first church trying to get something started, nothing was happening nowhere, and some anklet-wearing, bracelet-wearing, charismatic preacher walked up to me. Don't you take offense this morning and grieve the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? He walked up to me in the bank, and I don't wear a bracelet. I don't wear an anklet. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I was some discouraged. I was working, trying to get something going. Nothing was happening and went to the bank. And Not an ecumenical bone in my body, but I can tell you one thing. I was pretty low. That man walked up to me and said, Are you Todd Bell? I said, Yes, sir, I am. He held his hand out to me and his little anchor bracelet thing just shook. Shook my hand. He says, I'm so-and-so. I'm the preacher over here at the, the Assembly of God Church. He said, the only thing I hear about you, young man, is good. He said, I'm so glad God sent somebody to our town to go door to door and tell these people about Jesus. Now, you can just sit there and pick it apart all you want to, but I'm going to tell you what it did to me. It put black powder in my revolver. Picked my shoulders up a little bit. Said I'm not looking to get ecumenical or to start speaking in tongues. But thank God that did something for me. You better not put God in the box. There's no telling what he may do. He may send some lost king to encourage you like Nebuchadnezzar or someone else. He's God, and besides Him, there is none other. His ways are higher above our ways. I'm talking about the accompaniment of the Savior. He's with us in warfare. I remember, you'll just have to bear with me. I know it's not proper etiquette to wipe your nose all during the sermon. I've been fighting sickness, and that's just the way it is. Boy, we starting that first church, and oh, we was a fighting hell. And I'd went to I'd went to to this gentleman and tried to get a piece of property, and I'd went to his office. He was the land use regulate coordinator of Great Northern Paper. They owned everything. I was at his office every week, and I I went up there one day, and he said, Pastor Bell, let me just tell you something. He said, See that door out there? I said, yes, sir. I thought within myself, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> he said, I want you to go out that door right there, and I don't want you to ever come back in this office no more. He said, you're up here every week trying to get property for the church. And I've told you for the last time that we don't have any. And I said, well, you know, on the maps, it looks like y'all have a lot. I've been studying the maps. But I'm going to take your word that you don't have any. I appreciate your kindness thus far. But I said, God's got a plan. And he'll work it out. Hey, you have a good day. I turned and walked out. You know what the Lord did? The Lord allowed that guy, I believe, to act just like a fool. To get him under conviction. Because he called me the next day. He called me on my cellular phone. That was, a, that was a day whenever you had to stand up on top of your car, hold the antenna, and pull your leg out one way to get a signal. Had, you remember the back phones? And I was up on top of the hill doing some soul winning, evangelism, up on top of the hill, and 
and the phone rang. You know, in those days, it's quite the honor to get a cell phone call. Now it's nothing. I mean, you have people talking text while I'm preaching. I don't care. They call that multitasking. I call it irreverence. Yep. But you'll have to deal with that on your own. I got a telephone call. He called me. He said, this is a guy up here at the land use regulation coordinator. He said, I told you we didn't have any property. But he said, I was looking over my stuff and I found a piece. I said, well, tell me where it's at. He told me, I said, sold. I want it. He said, calm down. I said, I said, we want it. That's the piece. It's God's will. We want it. I said, calm down. Come up here and look at the map. I said, I'll, I'll be right there. So I called off visitation and and I went down the hill and I went to this piece of property. It's in East Milwaukee. Some of you, some of you maybe have been there before. But it was the last piece of commercial property in town. 3.18 acres. The last piece inside the city limits. The last piece. Great Northern had, had give the town so much for a dollar in one of those deals. and It was the last piece of commercial property in town. He told me where it was and I went out there. It was full of hemlocks. I will tell you something. Tarzan had nothing on me that day. I went ape crazy. I was hanging out of trees, jumping on limbs, hooting and hollering, shouting, throwing up pine needles. I mean, I was having a Holy Ghost spell. Then I, after, I did that first. After I did that, I drove on up to Millinocket. And I went in his office, and I said, I just got done walking around and doing some other things <laughs> down there. And I said, we want the property. He said, well, let's look at it here. So uh, he pulled the map out and showed me where it is. And he said, there's only one thing that i got to tell you. It's just between me and you. He said, the town is trying to get the townspeople to get this piece of property because they want to build a brand new municipal building. But if you'll bring me the check, I'll sell it to you. Because the town has to take it to town. they got to vote and all that stuff. And he said, it's going to take a little while. And he says, I have the authority to go ahead and sell it to you. So he said, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get the money to me quick. I said, well, you're going to have to give me a price. And he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk, talk about it. But he said, you're going to have to pay for it because we can't do this normal thing in light of the circumstances. I said, would you get me the price? Our people's been saving, and we got about $50,000 saved. I had one of them old thermometers. You know the thermometer you put on your wall? Get the kids to draw it up. Graphics has replaced all that nowadays. We had an old thermometer that we drawed, hand-drawn, and we had the scale going up. It's getting warmer every, every week. Had it up to $50,000. A lot of money. And he called me back. He said, the price is $15,100. And I said, we'll be right up. And so I called them, called a bunch of people in the church, and we come up and took our picture. With a, I mean, it was classy. I mean, it was really put together real nice. You ought to see those pictures. Well, how the Lord nurtures us and matures us. But I mean, it was classy. We stand out beside the Great Northern Paper sign holding the, the, the thing, and I just shouting the victory. So I got to look, and I found out that there has a buffer zone around it. The town owned the buffer zone, and I went and searched the archives. Found out that the Great Northern Paper would give them that land for a dollar. So I figured I'd just offer them a thousand, and they'd take it. Why not? I mean, it makes sense to me. And then we'd have, instead of 3.18 acres, we'd have six acres, six acres. So I drawed up this real, it got fancy again. Drawed up a certified letter and made it look like I really knew what I was doing. My wife got together and put her secretarial skills from Haywood Technical Institute together. And... We was going somewhere. Drawed it all up and sent it to the town. I thought they'd be thrilled. But they wasn't thrilled. Uh, they called me to their selectmen's meeting. I don't know what y'all have down here, mayors or what, but they have selectmen. They called me their selectmen's meeting. 
And I can still see one of them slackmen. His veins were protruding out of his neck. His face was red as Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer. I mean, son, he was, if I didn't know any better, this guy was angry. I mean, he was angry. What do you think you've done? You've fucked the piece of property out of the church and, or out of the town and what? Oh, man, he was, he was upset. I said, well, I, uh, what do you do, apologize? I didn't apologize. I just said, we've been praying for a piece of property for years, sir, and we felt it was God's will, and furthermore, it's a done deal. We've already paid for it, and it's ours. And if you're not going to work with us on the buffer zone, that'll be fine. We'll just make our own way. And so they said, you can't get to your land because there's a buffer zone around it. And I said, oh, never thought about that. Isn't it amazing what we do? We just step out and just do things in faith, just trusting God. That's not a bad thing. But it's like, here we go again, God. We've already put you in a lurch. I know, we messed up. Now what are we going to do? we got this dead piece of property. We're going to have, have, have to have a helicopter ministry. Gotta set people over onto the property. Really, we were boxed in. That was it. So I went to the man. I said, boy, we've messed up. You sold us a piece of property that's surrounded by a buffer zone. We can't get to our property. He said, oh, that's foolish. He said, we gave them that property, and they only paid a dollar for it. And, and uh, I've got connections. You hold on right there. I started feeling better. I was feeling pretty low there for a little bit. You said, well, you ought to believe God. Well, come help us. and you. <laughs> we'll hang on to your coattails a little while. So he wrote back and said, I got you right away. I said, well, that's a blessing. He said, 60 foot wide, and there's the point where it starts, and here's the point where it ends, and it's all certified by my attorney and attorney of Great Northern Paper, and it's all, all set. You don't have nothing to worry about, no big deal. And uh, just go on, cut you right away and be on about your business. So I figured I had the authority from God. And I figured I had the authority from the state uh, or the great northern paper company. I'm talking, in case you're losing track, about the accompaniment of the Savior in warfare. He's with us in warfare. It's a fight. You go to a mission field and try to start a gospel preaching church and find out what you get into. Satan doesn't let go of his strongholds real easy. I know God's all-powerful. I'm not going to give uh, Satan any credit today, but I'm telling you, it's real on the mission field. There is warfare. Actually, the truth be known, there's warfare in the Christian life, period. But it seems to be great in a place where there's no heritage. So I, I went to my men. Man, I got excited. You know, we were, we, were up in the, we were up in northern Maine. I mean, chainsaws, just like that. I mean, that's just a commodity. Everybody has chainsaws, and they're pretty proud of them, too. I got a Johnson Red. I got a Husky. Eh, piece of junk. I got a steel. Then somebody comes out of the woodshed. They said, you ain't got nothing. I got a Mac 1010. Yeah, it weighs 500 pounds. I got it right here. It's got an 8-inch bar on it. It weighs 500 pounds. I use it to cut my kindling up. They get proud of them things. And I'm just about crazy enough to ag it on. I said, I bet your saws won't outcut mine. And I said, watch this. And boy, you could just see him curling up. I said, I'll meet you out here tomorrow night. Six o'clock. <laughs> Son, it went wild. I mean, it went wild. We all piled in there and there was chainsaws. If OSHA would have been there, we'd still been in jail today. We had tree, I mean, we went crazy, filled them things up, and it's just one of, I mean, it was just like, it was just like the atmosphere was crawling with enthusiasm. And it was, they were just, it was just waiting. It's almost like, the, you know, them ESPN things where they have them uh, lumberjack things. You know, they get excited. And it was just, I said, all right, boys, let's do it. It's like, who's going to be the first one? And they were antsy. And I said, all right, right, there's the line. And that 60 feet is right here. And I said, I want every tree down. Cut it down. Every one of them. All the way up through there. All the way. And we've got to cut this thing 60 feet wide. And the paperwork says it can be 60 feet wide. And it's going to be 59 feet, 11 inches, and 15 sixteenths. 
937.5 thousandths. Every last bit of it. That's right. You said, what do you have? Just a little bit of a fight. People going to hell is worth it. So we started cutting. Man, we out of time. Our neighbors got scared because the trees were falling so fast. They thought that their buffer zone to the church was going to be gone in a matter of about five minutes. Man, there's trees falling everywhere. Here comes the cops. Blue lights going. I said, I was trained when I grew up that if you see blue lights, that it's not a good thing. And I said, I'll try to put on my best diplomacy uh, that I can. And I went over and it was Chief Cramp. Chief Cramp and God's sovereignty, Chief, Chief Cramp had asked me to come on and do some chaplaincy work. They couldn't handle all the extreme cases. And, and Chief Cramp had asked me to come on and said, Pastor Bell, would you do a little chaplaincy work for us? See, they'd call all the churches in town and nobody would fool with anybody but us. And God would give me favor with them. Chief Cramp walked in with his head down. He said, Pastor Bell, I, I'm sorry. Oh, he felt so bad. And he was talking to me a little bit, but he had the town manager with him. She was in the police car. She was on her way out. He was kind of me, making me privy to what was about to happen. And she come out and she started saying things. I didn't know a lady could cuss like that. She was, a, she was really letting me have it. And I was sitting there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was, what do you think you're doing? You can't, you broke the law. And I said, I've not broke the law. I've got, I've got the sheet of paper right here. It's the right of way. And, and uh, everything's all said. And, and you, don't, you don't have to worry about it. It's, it's all. And, and she just would not take no for an answer. You know what it took her to, uh, took to, to get her off of me? It took one of my men, my men, Wilson Clement, cut a tree down. Yes, you're thinking that way. <laughs> he said, Timber! And the policeman grabbed her and frisked her off to the side and the tree fell right where she was standing. And I looked at Wilson and I said, Wilson, what have you done? He said, I'm sorry, preacher. I said, you ain't sorry. You meant to do that. I said, now I am going to jail. What have you done? And then she, after she got up off the ground, she, she come back. You just thought she was mad before. Oh, it was, it was horrendous. You said, what happened? Well, we built a road there and built a church, 40 by 100, and built it pretty much debt free and, and committed that church to God with about 125 people and left, and we've started all over again. I'll tell you, God's good. And he's trying to tell us here that he's with us. The accompaniment of the Savior. He's with us in warfare. And then, uh, boy, I tell you, I've got to hasten on. He's with us in worship. We noticed that this week, hadn't we? And so first of all, the authority of the Savior. Second of all, the accompaniment of the Savior. Third of all, let's just quickly look at these and then I'll be finished. Third of all, look at this next phrase. Let us, and he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. Go into the next town. That's the advancement of the Savior. Go to the next towns. In this I see vision. We need vision for the next town. In this I see victories. There's victories in all those towns. Every town you go into, people are going to be saved. Every town you go into, lives are going to be changed. In this I see vitality. If you're going to go, if you're going to, go to the next towns, you're going to have to have some wherewithal to do that. That's the reason why we ought to be in shape. We ought to be, do the, be, be our best for the Lord. It takes a lot of energy to go from town to town to town. It takes a lot of energy to fly airplanes and, and to stay focused and all the stuff there. So there's the advancement of the Savior. Then fourth of all, there's the activity of the Savior. Oh, I like this. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. That's the activity of the Savior. You said, what's his activity? Preaching. That's what our activity needs to be. We need to be preaching on the cross. We need to be lifting high the Lord Jesus Christ. I like it. Be preaching on conversion. Repent you therefore and be converted. Be preaching on consecration. Amen right there. Lord, give us some people that are consecrated. 
Boy, we've made fun of these holiness people so long that we probably went and got liberal. We ought to walk with God. I said we ought to walk with God. Be holy people. Meet with God when we get up in the morning. Find a quiet place, secret place. Get along with God. Have some intimacy with Him. Consecration. The activity we need to be preaching on continuance and preaching on commitment. You said, are we living in a day of commitment? Absolutely. There's people committed to a lot of things. Sad to say, there's not a lot of people committed to the gospel. We need to be committed. And then, let me close with this. I see the assurance of the Savior. He said, for therefore came I forth. He knew why he'd come. He said, I'm going to the next town. That's the reason I come. There's some assurance there. And brethren, we need to be assured of some things ourselves. We need to be assured we're saved. We need to be assured we're sent. And we need to be assured that the Lord's going to keep supplying for us. I've got so many stories to tell and I I've already been long enough. I had this gentleman come to me. And he said, "Uh, Pastor Bell, I want you to meet my friend. And I said, no, I don't want to meet him. He said, why? I said, because I know who he is and I don't operate that way. And I said, I don't want to meet him. He said, well, why don't you just go? I said, no, no. For two years, he's hounded me. I want you to meet my friend. I want you to meet my friend. I want you to meet my friend. I said, I'm not a huckster. And I'm not going to meet your friend. There's enough bad testimony in our circles, and I don't operate that way. God's been faithful to supply, and he'll keep supplying. And I'm not going to go meet your friend. All right. That went on for about the last two years. And several months ago, I was out stacking wood, the practical side of the ministry. We burn all wood in the old 200-year-old farmhouse, 200-year-old farmhouse we live in and burn eight to ten cords of wood a year, and it takes a lot of work to get all that worked up. Well, I'm so grateful for the, for the good people out there at Pastor Benny Bagwell's church, Victory Baptist. Two years ago, they said, we want to buy all your wood for you. And I said, I, I do not decline. Amen. I agree with you. <laughs> it's cut, split, and delivered. It's a blessing. still takes a lot of work. And I was out there working in my wood pile with the kids and different things. And he called me. My friend called me and said, today's the day. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, today's the day. You're going today. I said, he's speaking with a little authority. This man doesn't come to my church. He goes to another church over in New Hampshire. And I said, you know what? Let me pray about it. I got off the phone. I said, Lord, it's today, today. He said, today's the day. <laughs> All right, I'll go. I said, where are you going to meet at? And he said, this is where you meet. So we met and went down there, and, and I sat down on this man's porch, and I started talking to him. Great, great guy, nice guy, very wealthy guy. I started talking to him and chatting with him, and, He said, tell me about how God saved you. He said, tell me about how God called you. And I started testifying to him. I said, we got to get the gospel out. Man, we we got to get airplanes and helicopters and DC-3s and jets and and just get it all. You said, oh, come on now. Come on now. Let's get everything, amen. You said, how are we going to afford the gas for it? We'll figure that out when we get it. I just, I just come unglued on this guy. I said, man, we're praying for everything. We're praying for jets and airplanes and helicopters, and we're going to get the gospel out, go to ta- town after town. I'm talking about the next towns. What are we going to do about the next towns? We're going to go everywhere. Well, I just, just testifying to him, and he said, excuse me. He said, if you don't mind, talk to my boy there a minute. And I started talking to him, and he had drove up, and I was chatting with him, and he walked back out, and he reached in his pocket, and he gave me a check. And I said, what'd you do that for? He said, because you just told me you needed to get your helicopter's license. 
And I said, I told you I wanted to get my helicopter's license, but I, I also can't get my helicopter's license because I'm doing work on our 402 and I don't have the money to pay the bills. And I said, I got to pay the bills on that. That doesn't make sense. That's not being a good steward. He said, well, God provided it once. God provided it again. You just take the money and use it for God's glory. And it was a check for $10,000. <laughs> I carried that check in my pocket for three weeks. He said, why? Because there was, a, there was a guy over on the other side of the field in Sanford, Maine. I said, when God gives me $10,000, I'm going to come to you and you're going to help me with my helicopter rating. He said, <laughs> yeah, we'll see if that happens. I carried that thing for three weeks in my pocket to meet that guy. You said you're mean. I'm not mean. God's faithful. Amen. I finally got to testify to that guy and share with him. I'm talking about some assurance, the assurance of the Savior. We need to be assured that he's going to supply for us. And he does it over and over and over and over again. He does it for you, doesn't he? Over and over and over again. Isn't he worthy? The question at hand. What do we do about the next towns? What do we do about the next towns? After 9-11, there was a record rise in recruitment. We're many years past that. It's high time now that we awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. What we need today is an army of soldiers of the cross that will crisscross this globe and go into the next towns. I wonder who will be the first one today to say, that's me. I hear it all the time. But the truth is that I can't do anything about it. Preacher, our church's pews are full of preachers that need to just do something. I can't make anybody do anything. I can guarantee you I know one that can. You've heard the message. What are we going to do about the next towns? Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of being able to preach today. Do a work in our hearts like only you can in Christ's name. Amen.